through Sun's pod now. Three songs. One eighteen. One eighteen. Three songs. Three songs. It's three songs. Bobby Mike. It's Bobby Mike. Bobby Mike. It's Bobby Mike. Bobby Mike. It's Bobby Mike. And Aaron. And Aaron. Yes, indeed. Episode 118, May 14th, 2020. Bob and Mike and special guest host, Aaron Osman. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. So, yeah, last show we ended talking about and playing some music from Jason Molina songs, Ohia. And then I realized after the show, we could have had on the woman who wrote the book about Jason Molina. Literally. Well, yeah, because like um, I think we talked um, during that show about essentially like our Jason Molina ignorance, right, right, um, <laughs> and how and, how neither know, of us were like, qualified like, enough to talk about Jason Molina. So I figured, let's yeah, have so, like, on. Uh, the point I was trying to make is like you know here's an artist that I completely missed, and um, to be honest with you, I'd never heard about him until he passed away, sadly, and then. I've realized he was, you know, apparently a very formidable artist that I missed out on. So, anyways, I'll just take it from there. So, like, and Mike didn't know much either, you know. So, like, I played probably his, I think that's his most famous song, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So, so Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got into Everything. how you first became a fan of Jason Molina, and then, and then, and then the the project and, and the book that you wrote and how it all came to be and uh, how long it took and just a little background about you. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me, first of all, and thanks for um, sharing Jason's music on your show and for your audience. That means a lot. Um, so I'm originally from Southern Indiana. I'm from a small city na- named Evansville. It's um, Indiana's kind of shaped like a sock. So I grew up down <laughs> in the of the sock, like very Southern tip of Indiana. Um, and, you know, like a lot of kids in the 90s, I was a teenager in the 90s, and I was really into alternative rock and then indie rock and then like our regional emo kind of scenes and punk rock and very guitar driven, generally loud music, right? Um, And where I grew up, we didn't have a good record store. We didn't have a good locally owned record store. We had Best Buy. Pretty much it. Um, And so we had a strong like tape trading network among our teenage friends, um, if someone would go out of town and get something, they'd kind of rip it to a tape and we'd trade cassettes and um, if someone mail-ordered something, same kind of a deal. And so one day, it was around like, I think 97 or 98, um, one of Jason's songs made its way onto one of these tapes that I traded with my friends. Um, It was a song, it's called Cowboy Lingo. It's from um, the first Songs Ohio album, which fans call the Black Album. and it just kind of, I don't know, it just punched me in the gut. Like, I, I was listening to all this loud, electric, guitar-driven music, kind of aggressive music. Um, and this was just a guy with a tenor guitar and this big voice. Um, and it was essentially, you know, a folk song. And it sounded like it could have been recorded in the 90s or maybe the 20s. Like, it had this really DIY kind of underground feeling, like a lot of the punk records I was listening to. But... It was definitely like in the singer-songwriter kind of folk 
mode, which I hadn't really given a chance yet, I guess. Like my dad was really into John Prine and Tom Petty and Neil Young. And I kind of thought like, well, that kind of music for my parents, you know? Um, but then when I heard Jason, it kind of merged both of those worlds, like the punk world and the singer-songwriter world. And I just sort of became a fan of him um, ever since then. That's great. And you um, you sent a song that you wanted to play, because I asked, okay, if you were going to play something interesting or different or maybe a little um, not the obvious, you know, and Bob played the song that he's maybe best known for. Yeah, um, Farewell Transmission, like, which I think is his most famous song. Yeah. Right, right. So so I asked Aaron, send along something that might be a little lesser known and um, that has a little bit of a story behind it. Yeah, so um, Jason was a huge fan of country music, which wasn't necessarily like a hip thing in the 90s when he was making music. It's kind of like a David Berman thing, Bob, to me, like yeah. a similar taste. Um, and so Jason uh, covered Tammy Wynette's Still Around, like starting as early as like 1995. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, she's amazing. Yes, yeah. Um, and I just love this cover. So that's, that's what I picked as a Molina obscurity. But like a, like a, but like Jason Molina, like he was definitely good mates with Will Oldham, right? Yeah, they were definitely pals, and Will actually put out Jason's first seven inch. Yeah, um, yeah. All right, well let's let's listen to it now. Still around. Cold love brings you pain. My 
Beautiful. So Aaron, like, um, like you said, you became a fan of his, like kind of at the start of his career. Um, did you get, did you start to go see him live? Yeah. So, um, as soon as I was able to drive, kind of the thing to do was to drive to Bloomington, Indiana, which was like Bloomington. Yeah. Great scene. Great scene. Great scene. So Jason was kind of like the king of Bloomington for a while. Yes. He was like, spoken of in hushed tones like you know because he was the first artist signed to secretly canadian which is like a huge label now but but then you know he kind of took a chance on them and he became their flagship artist and so he played a lot in bloomington and basements and the clubs there and then he played a lot in chicago when i lived in chicago um i ended up going to college in bloomington so in a weird way i sort of followed jason like not on purpose but we lived in the same places at the same time um, and he was just really important, whether he was playing solo or with Songs Ohio or with his second band, Magdalene Electric Company. I just kind of um, followed him until the end. Um, and then when he died, I, I was a, kind of an established music journalist in Chicago, and I just kind of made it my mission to tell his story. And then I'm lucky that I got to do that. Yeah, but like, um, how well did you know him personally? Like, you must have like seen him 20 times or something, right? I, I didn't know him at all, honestly. Um, really? That's interesting. It's like, um, that is interesting to me. Well, you know, I was kind of a shy kid. Um, and, you know, that lasted well into my mid-20s. And so I, I just wasn't the type of person to go up to an artist that I love and introduce myself. Um, but you wouldn't like, you wouldn't even be like, hey, thanks for coming, that kind of thing? Like, because uh, like, that's like, I'm the same way. Because like, <laughs> if there was an artist that I really revered when I was a teenager or in my 20s, like, whether it be Charlottesville or New York or something, I would just like, I wouldn't want to like get to know him too well either, but I would be like, Hey, thanks for coming. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd think I would have done that. Um, but I, <laughs> I never did. Um, it's interesting. Like, that's interesting to me. Like, um, in a lot of ways, people that you really respect, like you're kind of almost like in a way scared to know, like in case say you don't, like them then you might not like their music as much so like in my case that there's several artists that like kind of ruined my musical enjoyment of them because i got to know them and oh, yeah. i didn't like them as much as their music you know yeah you um, want an example of that were you fearful of that like fearful of like of like no. kn- knowing the guy no i think it was always like oh he's way too cool and mythical and poetic and you know, like, why, why would he want to talk to me? You know, it was always, it was always a lack of self-confidence, I suppose, on my end. Yeah, I understand that as well. Like, keep in mind, like, I'm generally known as, like, the most approachable member of, like, certainly Pavement and perhaps the Silver Juice as well. So, like, uh, um, this kind of, I've kind of felt was, like, part of my job being in both bands and um which was fine because i love that i love that aspect of it i loved like meeting the people who cared the most about the music that we were doing and um it's just it's interesting to me like to be such a tremendous uh, loyal fan of an artist who you had access to whether it be in bloomington or chicago and then at the same time like um you know never really knowing them too well and even though you probably 
like you had to have had some friends that like knew him, right? Yeah, well, that's that's kind of how this whole book came together. Um, I went to college with a couple of the guys who played at Magnolia Electric Company. Um, right. They were like playing in the DIY scene in Bloomington, and I would go to their house shows, and um, so I, I sort of met some of them. And um, uh, one of the members, Jason Grove, he's kind of like your counterpart, but in Magnolia, he's like the very friendly, approachable guy from that band. And um, yeah, I, I kind of started communicating with him, and he sort of helped usher everything along. Well, that's cool. Yeah, because I, I kind of did that for Malthus and David. So, Aaron, why don't you um, play another song, and That'd after awesome. that, we'll, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about... Beauties, um, three beauties you picked. You're, you're now um, no longer in the Midwest. We'll talk about that after you play your next song. Okay, so um, my next pick, so Mike, I was telling you that I was kind of been listening to what I consider like gentle music amid all of this um, global pandemic um, fright and, and weirdness. Um, so my first pick is a song called High Tide by this guy named Eddie Suzuki, um, and he's a Hawaiian composer.
feels a little like Hawaii. Chill out. Definitely. Room. <laughs> um, one, inter- one, one interesting thing about him is he's like a pretty, uh, a very obscure Hawaiian artist. So like, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much about him at all, Aaron. Well, he's like a record store guy. Yeah. What's uh What's his What's his story, Aaron? Yeah. So I I love that track a lot. It kind of just like takes me to like my my private mind ocean. You know, mm-hmm. like it, yeah, it takes you to the beach, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I'm I'm not a beach guy, and like you're yeah. from the Midwest, like you know, I don't know if you're a beach gal, but like. I'll take a shot on any like one or two dollar Hawaiian compilation, like in case to, as a do you DJ live? Um, not anymore. I did that when I was younger. Um, but you should get back I, into it. You should get back into it. I, I should. Um, yeah. But yeah, Eddie Suzuki is like a coveted uh, record collector kind of a figure. Like he, he had this. He put out this album called New Hawaii that became that's like a famous. That's his most famous gift, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. The song I just I love that song, and part of the reason I picked it too is Jason Molina loved Hawaii. Um, he loved like kind of the folklore of Hawaii and the music. He played a ukulele early on. He wore Hawaiian shirts. Like so, I don't know if Jason would like that song per se, but I kind of chose it in honor of him as well. Oh, fantastic. But, like, uh, one interesting thing about him is, like, uh, he's not, like, very celebrated Hawaiian artist. He's obscure. He's, like, a record store guy. Yeah. He he wrote a couple hits for some other, like, more famous Hawaiian singers, like, in the late 60s, early 70s. But, yeah, he was pretty obscure, and he did a lot of weird stuff with synths. Like, I love the synth as voice kind of action happening in that song. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was, like, really imaginative. Absolutely. Yeah, I kind of compared him to Walter Wondoli. He's like a huge favorite of mine. Oh, awesome. That's great. And, and um, there's like, I mean, I'd have to flip through the record collection, but like, you know, there's, it's like Hawaiian music has always been pretty straightforward, like in terms of like the way that you get to stardom there. Like you've got to be like famous. Like I feel like he's like an under-celebrated underlying character in like the development of like original Hawaiian music. Totally, yeah. The way I found him is I, I love Hawaiian music too, and I love steel guitar, like uh, either lap steel or pedestal are like my favorite instruments. And I, I, I surf a lot of Hawaiian music on YouTube, and this track just kind of came up on YouTube one day. And so I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then I found this um, reissue label in Hawaii called Aloha Got Soul, and they cool. did amazing cool. compilations, and he was on one of their comps as well. Yeah, yeah that's. No, I mean, like- in my have searching, that's Hawaii? what I that's what I found is yeah that label. Have you been to Hawaii? I haven't. No, I, I want to go now that I'm a little bit closer here in LA. How about you, Mike? You've been to Hawaii. I've been to Hawaii once. That makes you the only Hawaiian visitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell, us about, tell us about your Hawaiian experience. The island of Maui. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, it's um, it's absolutely beautiful. It's it's. Uh, I think I rented, um, what's the, I can't, like, not, sort of like a PT Cruiser. It was like the most ridiculous hey, car. Yeah. It was right. like that Triple H. Is that, is that, is that a car? I don't know. It was like really Probably, boxy. Yeah, some ridiculous car. Like, yeah. I, I believe me, I've, I've rented a lot of ridiculous cars in my life. It was, there goes Mr. Uh, Ghost. Here's Mr. Ghost. Mr. Ghost, Ghost making the appearance. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah it, Hawaii is, is, is just beautiful. You know, you basically just hang out on the beach and, Swim and snorkel and relax, uh, and then eat, and eat good food. So you're up next, Mike. 
Uh, am I? Okay. Um, I think I will. Um, I'll kind of keep a theme a little bit. Um, I'm gonna. I'll play a song called the Island Song, and this is a song that I have not been not the Island Song, the Island Song, the the Island Song, like the Island yeah. of Maui. Yeah. Um, this is a song that I discovered. It's it's probably. Um, familiar to a lot of the listeners, Bob. I don't know if you know it. The, the reason why most people know it is it's the end. It's the song that plays in the end credits of a show on the Cartoon Network called Adventure Time. Never heard of it. Um, and the artist is named... How about Aaron? Have you heard of Adventure Time? I've heard the name, but I have not watched the show. It's a cute okay. little show. Um, yeah. And my son has been watching it a lot lately. It's They're like Teddy, 11... Teddy. Teddy's been watching it very often. It's like 11 or a minute episodes. And so every 11 minutes, this song plays, and it's only about 30 seconds in the end credits. Um, the, the full song is not quite two minutes. So it's just a short, cute little song by a woman named Ashley Erickson, who's in a band called Lake. Uh, on K Records, she released a solo album on K Records as well. Um, but yeah, the only song pretty much anybody knows by her—I uh, mean, like I looked on Spotify, it's got like 12 million plays, and then her next most popular song is like you know a few thousand, um, and it's all because of Adventure Time. So here you go, Island Song, Ashley Erickson. records yeah it sounds very much like k records doesn't it it's cute little fun song like that song you don't know i mean i guess it's just because i've heard it probably a hundred times in the last i don't know week but um whoa that's a lot of (laughs) listens yeah you know i mean 
11, 11 minute episodes go by quickly, but um, it's just like a song that just has been stuck in my head. So I figured I'd share it with so you. So you think you can like sing along to it? Yeah. Oh yeah. At least the thirty seconds that plays over the end credits. Um, you don't <laughs> want to hear me sing along to it, but yeah. Well, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, t- t- I love that. Mike. It was so cute. Kind of. It kind of reminded me of like the anti folk melody peaches thing a little bit too, which I totally. Love, so yep. yeah. Absolutely. You know. It kind of reminded me of like Mary Lou Lord. No, sure. You know. Yes. Or um, Mary Lou Lord. Lois Maffeo, you know. When, oh, yeah, Lois. With, She's so good. With um, her band called Courtney Love, <laughs> um, which I love. That's those. so weird. It's such a weird twist. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I loved those early K singles. Um, so, yeah, nice little throwback there. Well, I'll stay in the islands. I'll stay in the islands. <laughs> we'll go to Jamaica. We'll go to a legend, like a, a legendary reggae song. Max Romeo and the Upsetters. Of course, the Upsetters being Lee Scratch Perry's background band. Sure. 1976, off the album Warren of Babylon. I Chase the Devil, or You Chase the Devil, Chase the Devil. <laughs> Lucifer, son of the morning, I'm gonna chase you out of earth. I'm 
I always get it mixed up. Is that reggae or dub? It's a combination. <laughs> dub reggae. He's a yeah. He's like a controversial artist because when he got famous, it was off the back of a song called "Wet Dream," you know, mm. which was banned in the UK. Interesting. You know, banned in the UK and like, uh, like the lyrics are in, they have heavy sexual content, and um, and he got banned in the UK and like he was like that was late sixties and like. Deservedly so. Like he said that that like um, the song "Wet Dream" was about his leaky roof, <laughs> and then he got more trap. But like in this, <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Right. Like if you read the lyrics, it's insane. Like, um, I mean, fuck, I'm not going to read them to you. But like, uh, <laughs> I mean, appreciate it, Bob. Like, yeah, I mean, like, and that, but I didn't play that one. Like he, you know, was, that was with the Upsetters, one of the best backup bands of all time. Lee Scratch Berry's. Lee Scratch Perry's act, uh, backup band, like, and uh, whatever. It's a reggae classic, you know. What I really love about that song are kind of like the three prongs. You've got the reggae kind of instrumentation going on. You've got kind of a gospel, like, devil kind of a lyrical theme. But you've also got outer space in there, like a little bit of sci-fi with, you know, going to space. And that's just like a really interesting combination in a reggae song. It's all about chasing off the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and that was... Um, yeah. Mid seventies, is that right? Yeah, seventy six. Yeah, like that was like his uh, second the most successful song. Same and um, same era as Eddie Suzuki, roughly, right? Just different yeah, different yeah. islands. Same age group, same age group as the Suzuki Meister. Yeah, and uh, so, anyways, you know, but that, I just I, I always listen like listen to some reggae. That chased the devil. All right, love it. Well, so it's, just run them off the earth. You know? Where uh, where are you going, Aaron? What do you choose your devil? What do you get? What do you got next for us? Um, so I'm going to play a song by Norma Tanega. Um, it's called "Walking My Cat Named Dog," and I love Norma. Um, I actually started working on a project related to Norma last year, right before she died, and um, she and I became friends. I visited her, with her a couple times, and the last time I saw her, she told me that I was her friend. And um, she's just a really badass lady. She was a woman of color, a queer woman of color, um, writing songs in the mid-60s, um, playing in all-male reviews, um, and she made two really incredible folk rock albums. And this is from um, the first one, and this is the title track. Being my cat named 
It's a fun little song. Oh, severely, severely underrated songwriter, and like as uh, Aaron will tell us about her, like because she knows her, but like uh, she gained her no notoriety like off of that one hit. She's like a right. I know that song. Sadly, sadly un under celebrated like one hit wonder. I think at the time she wrote it, like she was singing the mental patients. You know, like she was working in a mental hospital, and, like, and then she, you know, she wrote a lot of songs for Dusty Springfield. Yeah, she and Dusty were partners, um, romantic partners for many years. Um, Norma, they fell in love and Norma moved to England and kind of um, worked in the background of Dusty's career for many years. Um, and then when that ended, um, Norma moved back to the L.A. area. She lived in Claremont and she became a professor of art at a college in Pomona. And she started playing like really interesting experimental music in the eighties. Um, she was a painter and a sculptor. No, no, no. Have you ever seen any of her paintings? I actually own one of her paintings now. Whoa, yeah, that's, cool. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Yeah. That's she good. was really, really genius and prolific. And you got to know her. I did. Yeah. There's going to be um, a forthcoming reissue project related to Norma. I'm not sure when it'll come out, given all the weirdness right now, um, but I'm going to be writing the liner notes for it. And so I went out to her house a couple of times and kind of really got to know her and got to spend some time with her. And then she died um, in December from colon cancer. Yeah, just at the end of the last year. Yeah. Yeah. God bless her. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. She's sure. amazing. For sure. And that was her, that was her biggest hit. Like that was like a hit single. That was a huge hit single in the '60s, kind of in the vein of like you know. Shirley Ellis or Mamas and the Papas, but like, yeah, because like she didn't, she did actually like have the opportunity to celebrate her own music. She wrote for Dusty and like she was a famous percussionist. Yeah, yeah, she wrote a really great song for Blossom Deary. Do you know that kind of like idiosyncratic jazz singer? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's it's an incredible song. You should look it up. Yeah. Maybe we can maybe we can have Aaron back uh, some other time. We can play it. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. Yeah, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears here. I'm gonna uh, Aaron You're mentioned. Pivot. You're pivot. I'll pivot a little bit. Um, you know, Aaron mentioned her kind of indie rock, punk, uh, emo, just guitar rock background, and uh, it made me think back to you know when I was in college. In, in the Bay Area, and a lot of the bands that I would go see, and so often you would see these bands, and they were just amazing live, and then they would record records, and you're like, that does not sound like the band that I know and that I see and I would hear uh, at the show. It sounds like a muted version of what I know. And so one of those bands was, was this band called Overwhelming Color Fast, who uh, around... You know, when punk broke in the early 90s, they got signed to Relativity Records, made a very slick-sounding record that's not bad, but just doesn't really capture it. And then shortly after that, they recorded an EP that I don't think was ever released other than as a promo for radio stations. And that was much, much, much better and much closer to what they sounded like live, um, which was just a really good catchy guitar rock, you know, kind of in the Nirvana, you know, they were trying to, I think the label was trying to promote them alongside of Nirvana, um, 
didn't work, of course. But um, you're talking about like the version of like when punk broke, like Nirvana, Nirvana's yeah, version of punk broke. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So, um, so anyway, that EP was called Bender, and I think just very recently it's more widely available on the streaming services. But for uh, you know, boy, I don't know, twenty five years, you could only buy a promo copy of it on Discogs or the secondary market. Um, and this is a song from it. It's pretty short. Um, well, I guess it's not that short. It's the, kind of the three-minute song form. Um, and it's their tribute to Roy Orbison. The, 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 the punchline, unintended punchline, is whoever uploaded it to Spotify made a typo, and it's listed as Roy Orbidun. Um But it's no, it's really about Roy Orbison. Um, so, yeah, I hope you guys like it. It's called, um, or it's by Overwhelming Colorfast. So, here you go. Gilman Street scene? They were were more San Francisco than East Bay. Okay. Someone's feeding back here. Is that you, Bob? Bob. I'm good. Okay. Don't know why. 
It's okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they were more um, San Francisco. They probably played, I would imagine they played Gilman Street, but I remember seeing them more like at the Kennel Club and, uh, you know, some of those shows, those the more San Francisco clubs that probably are no longer around. Um, and they were just like one of those... You know, they were, like, I guess kind of a heavy rock band, but they wrote such really catchy songs. They were really rooted in kind of the pop form filtered through, like, really loud guitars. And that's... Well, like, weren't they, like, kind of like Swallow or, like, even, um, like, Afghan Wigs or, like... Yeah, sort of, but I, but but even more, like, more pop um like that same that same EP has a cover of "You Keep Me Hanging On" and it has a cover of um, "For Emily," uh, the um, Paul Simon, the Simon and Garfunkel song. So that's kind yeah. of like their. They had big hooks, like really big hooks, and it just sort like of never Doc came. Or something. Yeah, it never really came across on record. Well, uh, someone in that band definitely loved Who's for Do, for yeah, sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, um, for sure. The and guitarist. Like everything on Sub Pop. Yes, so. yes. But the, the lead singer um, is really big, like, imposing guy that seemed like when you, you'd see him and they'd first take the stage, you'd think he was going to have this big, gruff, like, you know, almost like intimidating voice. And he had this like high, almost falsetto voice. Um, yeah. So good. Yeah. He's intense. It's pretty in, intense. Intense. Good I'll, band though. I'll take us, I'll take us way down South, a little bit of Brazil. Um, this is uh Caetano Veloso, one of the Kings of the Tropicalismo scene. And this is a different kind of album for him. It's not very traditional. It's an album called uh Che. Or say, Bose means you in Brazilian. And this song called Rocks. And he's shifting gears. He's a legend. You know, he's one of the greatest uh, Brazilian musicians of all time. Along with uh, Gilberto Gil. And uh, this is the influence of a guitar player named Pedro Sa on his music. And it is, is about as the lyrical focus like is on human sexuality. And it's a song called Rocks by Caetano Veloso. Tatuou, já mexe na coxa Chegou com a boca roxa de botox Exigindo rocks Animais, metais, totais, metais Eu não dei letra Tu é gênia, gata, etc Mas cê foi mesmo rata demais Meu grito inimigo é Você foi mó rata Você foi mó rata comigo Você foi mó rata comigo Você foi concreta e simplesmente rata comigo demais Rata comigo demais Rata comigo demais Rata Tá tudo longa, mexe na coxa Chegou com a boca roxa de botox Exigindo rocks Animais, metais, metais, metais Eu não dei letra Tu é gênia, gata, etc Mas cê foi mesmo rata demais Meu grito inimigo é Você foi mó rata comigo Você foi mó rata 
Fica roxa de botox Exigindo rocks Animais, metais, totais, letais Eu dou de letra Tu é genha, gata, etc Mas cê foi mesmo rata demais Meu grito inimigo é Você foi mó rata comigo Você foi mó rata comigo Você foi mó rata comigo Você foi concreta e simplesmente Rata comigo demais Rata comigo demais Rata comigo demais Rata comigo That did rock. Well, it's very interesting to me when, like, legends of any kind of music scene try to shift gears and try to rock. So, like, this yeah. guy, right. he's still alive in his late 70s. Like, this is 2007. Like, uh, just like uh, Elsa Suarez. Like, they try, to, they try to shift gears and, like, making a rock record. Sure. Like, why 2006? Why 2007? Like... He's a legend, like, you know, absolute fuck, fucking legend, you know. And, like, uh, I thought he pulled it off. It, it, he did. I mean, I, I'm familiar a little bit with his work and was not expecting that. I don't know that song, was not expecting it to be. It's like, that's just, like, attempted punk rock. So, like, <laughs> it's, like, you know, natural for other people to play punk rock, but, like, it's kind of interesting to me, like, it, I love that song. It works. And it rocks. It's cool. I was not expecting that solo. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. That, that's how they, and now he's working with kids. Like, you know, this guy, Pedro Saw and his band, who's like a ripping guitar player, the some old, you know, and like, and like, now he's like, you know, now he's just cutting it loose to the kids. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm a legend. So like, I'm going to be, you know, you, like, we're going to play tight. We're not gonna go free, and like you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting when they try to attempt it. I think it yeah. worked. It worked for sure. All right, what do you got next for us, Aaron? Um, I'm going in a completely different direction. Um, perfect, perfect. She's gonna. So, pick that this is a this is like a super vibey, happy song for me. It's by this uh, soul singer Willie Wright. Um, the song is called "I'm So Happy Now." And Willie Wright is another one of these guys that was kind of coveted by like deep record collectors. Um, he was a soul singer like in the 60s and 70s. He kind of bounced between New York and Boston. But then one summer he ended up on Nantucket Island kind of singing for tourists. Um, and he decided to stay kind of past the season. And he wrote a bunch of songs and they ended up becoming like his best album. It's called Telling the Truth. Yeah, great um, album. Yeah, and uh, this is this is one of my favorite songs of his, and whenever I hear it, it just gives me an instant lift. So I've been listening to it a lot lately. Yeah, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we can all use it. Here we go. I'm 
Is a fun one. Love it's the so gu- beauty. Love that guitar. I I love a little off kilter guitar picking for yeah. sure. And yeah. it has hand claps. It has piano. It has good vibes. Has everything you need. Yeah. Is yeah. that Willie playing the guitar? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And it's his. It was his then wife singing that fun backup vocal part. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. He's still alive at eighty. Still alive. He is, yeah. yeah. God bless him, yeah. He made a record in like 2012 or something. Wow. Yeah. I, I will have to check him out. I'm not familiar, so thank you, Aaron. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. Yeah. 
Well, I'm... It's my turn. It's my turn. It's your turn. (laughs) I've lost track. I think it might be my turn, and then I'll let you end it, Bob. How about that? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, I'm going to play one similar... I guess we've got a similar theme of um, records that are uh, beloved by crate diggers and um, record collectors. Uh, I'm going to play something from France. Um, Oh, hell. Yeah, but it's... um, I think the uh, musicians were African, um, recording in Paris, I believe, in the, in the mid '70s. You know, we've we've played some of that stuff on on the show before. Um, and this is an album that was reissued a few years ago on a label called Hot Casa Records, and it was recorded in 1977. Uh, the name of the artist is Francis the Great, and evidently this Francis was a seven-year-old boy um, who sings the vocals. I don't know if either of you are familiar with this record, but um, Ravasanti Baby is the name of the album, and that's also the name of the, the title track. It's it, The whole album is about 25 minutes long, yep. and it was... Um, it was composed in, well, it was uh, arranged by a bassist named Vicky Adimo. And the musicianship is just amazing. It's just this, this great funk world. Um, and, and it was kind of hard to choose. Do I play the A side or the B side? I'll play the B side. So it's got more of a groove to it. Um, the, the A side's a little more frenetic. This one's called Look Up in the Sky. It's 13. Hey, Aaron, have you ever heard of this? No, this is a total blind spot for me. <clears throat> it's yeah, fun. Me I think too. I think you'll total like it. Blind spot. It's um, same, same. It, it's thirteen minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Um, so I'll just I'll give you maybe. Well, you're the one that was like saying cut down the show and like stop talking, Bob. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I'm not, <laughs> so, like, so, so you want to play like a thirteen minute I'm, fucking I'm, song? No, that's what I'm saying. Is I'm not playing a thirteen minute long song. <laughs> hey, you're gonna edit your own. Play. I'm gonna edit my own play. I'll fade it's it like at some Aaron, point. Aaron, who's been like incredibly like you know like in the three to two to four minute form. <laughs> Now you're gonna edit it like a 13 minute. I, I am because you'll get you get the vibe. It's not like it's Stairway to Heaven where there's a bunch of different lyrics. It's basically the it's same. Like Stairway to Heaven. It's for the fuck's same. Sakes, it's the know? same groove. Talk about that after. It's it. the same groove for 13 minutes. So you <laughs> kind of get the sense. It's just you know if you if yeah. next time you're DJing if you put this one so on. So it's like Mike's edit. Like I'm never gonna DJ this shit. But like. <laughs> Like, you're going to play, like, a 13-fucking-minute song. Hey, 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 don't complain until after the song. Here you go. Okay, okay. <laughs> Francis the Great, look up in the sky. <laughs> Come on, mate. Here you go. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, I'll fade it here. We got about eight more minutes left, but you get a taste. That was a major taste. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's French singing over like a space funk orchestra. <laughs> yes, give it to me. Yes, right. I mean, come yeah, on. You, apparently, you can dance, Aaron. <laughs> and here, okay. Since um, since we just did a taste, I'm I'm only gonna play the tiniest snippet of the A side. So that's the B oh, side. Here, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double see, bubble, Aaron. Here that's right. Go. Double bubble. That's right. Um, if I can find it, because <laughs> I wasn't I planning. Out of here we go. Rip yeah. out another song. Here we like, go. Uh, I'll I, go with mine. I'll go with mine. I, I got it right here. This is this is the A side. I just wanna I just wanna give you a taste of what the A side sounds like, which is yeah. basically I think. David Byrne ripped this off for some of the Talking Head stuff. Check it out. Are you serious? Yeah. That's the A side. That feels very um, later. Later talking heads, don't you think? Paul Simon. You, he was like Graceland. But, yeah, right. Paul, Paul Simon, David Byrne. Yeah, and that was happening in '77. So um, anyway, fun, fun record. I think I think you guys will dig it. Yeah. Anyways, I'll take you to Portland, where Mike lives. Then uh, Guantanamo Bay Watch. I'm unfamiliar. Uh, My hometown, I don't know him. Yeah, Dirt Nap Records. They made a great oh, yeah. record called sure. Chest Crawl. Sure, I know. Dirt and they're Nap. surfy, like they're great. And like it's uh, Chevelle, Chris, and Jason. And uh, this is called uh, Boomeranga. <laughs> Thank you. 
tell me about them, Bob. Yeah, they're Portland. They're Seattle, Portland. Are they current? When was that? Well, it was 2011. Okay. Huh. And do you know them personally? You, you mentioned no, them. No, of course you, not. Yeah. Okay, well, you mentioned them by first name, so I thought you maybe did. Well, um, yeah, not personally, no. Okay. But like uh, Dirt Nap Records. Dirt Nap Records. Little Portland labels, yeah, little Portland label. Put out that a record in uh, 2011 called Chess Crawl, and they're like a. I can't imagine how good that is live. I would, I would bet. I, I yeah, don't know. See the surf action, you know, like, and like you know they get a wide variety of music. I just think they're a really interesting band. But anyways, I really appreciate you, Aaron. Like you know, keep doing what you're doing, and like, and thanks, Mike, and like. Thank you, Aaron. Both, you know. This is this has been fun. Um, Really appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting with us and bringing some songs. Thank you. Oh, Mike. Great song. Great. All right. Well, uh, let's do this again. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks. <laughs>